three, two, one. We are on. We've got the special team with us to talk about celebrity divorces. And don't ask us why we as family law attorneys are as interested as the public, because I have no idea. With us today, <laughs> Anthony Lai. Anthony, how are you? I'm great, Don. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, and then we've got Mane K. How are you today? Good, thanks. Brooke? Hi, how are you? Good, good. And then finally, how are you, Stephanie? Hi, everyone. I'm doing well. How are you, Don? Good, good, good. We have got a bunch of stories that we want to talk about today. And uh, I want to talk about the one that really caught my attention first, and that was the great Larry King. You know, Anthony, you're going to uh, lead off on that one, right? Yeah, so uh, Larry King in uh, May of, sorry, August of 2019 filed for divorce. Uh, it was his eighth marriage. Um, he was married a total of seven times total, two times to the same person. Uh, this is his marriage with Sean Sedgwick. They were married for 22 years. Um, they actually previously filed for divorce back in 2010, but um, after a few months of that, they withdrew their petitions. There's been kind of like a, a lot of stuff in the news and tabloids about alleged affairs. There was an allegation that uh, Sean was having an affair with their, their kid's baseball coach. Uh, back in 2010, and that was a reason. Talking about Larry King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a whole lot of stuff. That these 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 people have lived their uh, marriage very much in the public eye for a very long time, and it's kind of not really a surprise. But you know, at the same time, Larry's 86 years old. Um, Sarah is 60 years old. So there's a 26 year age difference between the two people. Um, which is kind of one of the reasons why people are thinking maybe that was the reason for them filing for divorce as of right now. So, Stephanie, um, I know you're going to give us a little spiel at first, but tell us the, the general uh, area of coverage about Larry King that you plan on covering. Because I've got, I got some comments, but I want to hold off until I hear from you. Uh, sure. So I think it's interesting how celebrities have a pattern of reconciling even after their divorces are finalized. I think in this Larry King case, he previously filed for divorce years ago when he found out about the affair, right. but then he dismissed the petition when they reconciled. Years later, he's filing for divorce again. So if there's a recurring pattern, you'll see it, you know, you've seen it with Elizabeth Taylor. She married Richard Burton. They got a divorce. Years later, they remarried, got another divorce. Um, there's also Phil Collins, the musician, uh, he divorced his wife, the settlement was finalized, they reconciled, and now they're going through another divorce. <laughs> he, he writes his best music when he's going through a divorce. So don't he, <laughs> yeah. he gets yeah. those drums going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed in both of you, okay? Because you're missing the main point here, okay? Larry King is an icon. He's a, he's a national figure. He's going to go down to the uh, oh, yeah. Radio Hall of Fame, maybe the TV Hall of Fame, right? He's a nice guy. Uh, I've had an opportunity to briefly meet him while I was uh, appearing on CNN. I was in the in the makeup room and I sit down in the chair and who do I look over and there's old Larry King there, man. Right. As nice as could be, you know. And uh, I'm gonna tell you, I've even seen him at restaurants and I swear that he's kind of waved. He's just this really nice guy. He's a Dodger fan, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's where I've King. seen him. Everybody loves Larry King, right? Right. Yeah. So, so Anthony, eight marriages, man. What, I mean, you know, Larry, after, after a while, you can't blame it on the wife anymore. Man. <laughs> you absolutely can't. And, and Larry is, you know, a, a guy who has been in 
millions and millions of living room TV screens uh, over the past maybe 30 years. And people have just kind of come to trust him as someone who is reliable, someone who is honest, someone who gives great interviews and asks really inquisitive questions. So it, it comes as a little bit of a surprise that, you know, someone who is held in such high regard by the American public is susceptible to every single type of relationship problem that you can come across, just like every other normal person that we see here in our office. Yeah, I don't buy that, Stephanie. <laughs> normal people don't marry eight times. <laughs> I, think, I don't know him personally, but it seems like he's a very passionate person. Like his ex, current ex says that he's so passionate, you know, she can't really say anything against what he's saying because he'll just go on this rant. I mean, it just seems like if you look at his prior marriages, they were a length of a year max. One year popped out, two years, one year. So either he gets bored very easily or, <laughs> I don't know, distracted. There was that's a why this case is so interesting because he's been married 22 times, whereas when I think of him, I think of him as having been married a lot, but I never thought of like a long monogamous marriage. It was actually right. surprising to me and doing research for this, that they had been married for 22 years. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, yes. you, the panel here doesn't know, except for me, that when you get older, you slow down a little bit, okay? You know, <laughs> maybe, a, maybe he was a marriage of convenience. You know, I, I don't know. So, Anthony, you got some theories about why people get married multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, as we all did a little bit of research for this, and when I was looking up some statistics, turns out in 2012, they did a study on, um, how often marriages fail. And they found that 50% uh, of first marriages uh, fail uh, in, or end in divorce, which we kind of already know. But then after that, 67% of your second marriages, and then interesting, 73% of third marriages will end in divorce. And they looked at some of the reasons as to why um, there isn't a single set reason. But one of the, one of the conclusions that the author of the study uh, posited was that uh, usually second or third marriages, they don't have that kind of glue that holds the, the husband and wife or, or the couple together. And usually that glue is children. Um, usually in a first marriage, you're, you're, you're seeing at least one or two children uh, as a part of that relationship. And, and couples will sometimes stick it out to try to kind of make it work for the kids. But in second and third marriages, uh, that doesn't necessarily work. Now, in Larry King's case, he actually has two kids. Um, they're 19 and 20 years old. So, you know, no custody or support issues, which maybe is part of the reason why he's going forward with it right now, rather than maybe 10 years ago when he originally filed. But that that fact that the, the children oftentimes are the glue that holds the relationship together oh, seems to be the case. There. Yeah. Let me stop you there. Okay. I disagree with that study. To the okay. children are the glue. What I see is the children are comes the problem. People, their lives change and they can no longer be about themselves. And um you know, suddenly, you know, it's not fun to be married to the person anymore because we're talking about child rearing, especially right. when one person doesn't want to be a parent anymore. Anyway, yeah. continue, sir. Yeah. So, and then another uh, theory that kind of was put forth was um, that kind of battle ready uh, uh, attitude where once you've gone through the turmoil and emotional, uh, you know, distress of your divorce for the first time and you come out of it unscathed. Uh, that second and third time, you're thinking, well, you know what? I already did it before. Um, it's not as bad as I thought it was, it was going to be. Uh, maybe I can just do it again and, and come out relatively unscathed, um, you know, the second or third time. So sometimes 
people will uh, go ahead and be more willing to end either a second or third marriage just because they feel like they've already gone through it before, they've experienced it, and they're more emotionally equipped for the second or third uh, separation. So that might be one part of the reason too. Okay. Well, I don't want to spend all of our time on Larry King, but you do have something else to say about uh, your generation. I'm the only one on this panel that's not part of the millennials. So tell me right. why millennials divorce or don't divorce and what's the stats there? Yeah. So um, as we know, Larry King is 86 years old and he's been married. He's not uh, a millennial. Eight, <laughs> eight he's not a millennial, but a study uh, conducted in 2016 said that um, compared to their counterparts, young people, which are considered millennials, or uh, around the, you know, the, the 25 to 30 year old age, they're actually 18 less percent, uh, percent less likely to get divorced as they were back in 2008. So an eight year gap really made a big difference on the amount of uh, divorces that we're seeing in younger people. So you look at the kind of discrepancy now between uh, the younger generation and the older generation and, and their willingness to get separated. Now, granted, there's a shorter timeline that we have to measure these younger marriages, but um, in, you know, in, in comparison, the rates seem to be a lot less for uh, millennials these days compared to um, people their age in, in the past, so. Okay, we'll stop right there. I wanna bring in our, maybe, you know, the quintessential millennial, that'd be Mon AK, okay? <laughs> young, intellectual, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, stands up for the downtrodden, got all the views of a millennial. Tell me, why is it that your generation seems to be better off getting married than my generation? I think because we might not be able to really afford it. So when we <laughs> down to get married, we're like, is this really what I want? Is this really the person that I want? Because times are tough and so maybe that's the mindset that we have going into it i do know that um there was a study a couple of years ago that um, millennials were buying less diamonds and we were ruining the diamond industry because we weren't buying diamonds we were doing something different and getting creative with the way we were our generation was getting engaged so it might be that um, most of us are living together more before making that jump or you know, discussing our finances more because we can't really, um, you know, survive financially possibly without having that conversation. And that's bringing a lot of honest communication and we're learning more about each other and before getting married. Okay, all good reasons. Brooke, I have a feeling though that maybe part of it is, is there are so many divorces in the parents of millennials that People kind of studied that and said, I don't want to be my parent. What, what do you think? I agree. I think a big contributing factor is that we're getting married later, which sort of ties into what Mane is saying. Um, you know, we're not super financially well off as a group. Um, so, you know, we're putting that off to try to start our careers. Um, I know my mom got married when she was 25. I'm now 28. And she looked at me the other day and said, I can't imagine you being married right now. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to school more. I think we're we're just putting we're just trying to get a lot of things out of the way. I think before we start getting married. Um, I don't know the statistics. I should have looked it up, but I know the age of people getting married has um, increased. Oh, oh, definitely. It used to be uh, even in my generation, my older siblings. We got married when they were 18, 19. Wow. I was kind of a later person and stuff, but like your mom. But yeah. So let's start, turn to another topic here. So. 
the next person on the chopping block here is going to be uh, Mane K. You've got something to talk about this Dr. Drew character again. What, what are you going to say about him? So uh, last time we did this, I talked about Dr. Dre's divorce, and there's some juicy updates. So last time we spoke, she had filed, um, Nicole, his ex-wife, uh, filed a motion for temporary spousal support. She was seeking $1 million a month saying that she needed this money for heightened security. She was seeking for attorney's fees in the amount of $5 million. Um, and the judge denied both of those um, requests. And one of the issue was security. She was saying, I'm getting death threats. The attorney was getting death threats and that they needed security. Well, Dr. Dre said, hey, I offered to pay her her security, but she fired the security I was paying for. Um, and so the judge said, you know what, he can continue paying for her security so long as she hires somebody that is not going to be overly expensive than what he was paying previously. Then it turns out that Dr. J's business partner went to the LAPD and filed a report saying that Nicole embezzled funds um, totaling to almost 400000 from an account between the business partner and Dr. Dre. Um, Nicole's attorney said that because her name was on the account, she had every right to withdraw money. It seems like when this process started, she withdrew, uh, you know, I think almost a total of $400,000 worth of money from this account. And she was saying, I had the right to do that. And this is just a smear campaign. It's notably important that Dr. Dre is not the one who went to the LAPD to file this report. Um, right. Sure, sure. He had nothing to do with it. He's an innocent yeah. guy. You know, he, you know, he doesn't have friends, right, that do his dirty work for him, right? He's just a pristine guy. Okay, go ahead. He was very abusive in the marriage. He financially controlled her. Um, this is important because we all know Dr. Dre has a history of domestic violence and violence. He's beat a reporter before he beat a rapper as well for coming out with a diss track against him in the 90s and nicole previously during their marriage said that she was like the person to bring him into this new direction and change his ways and that he wasn't really abusive towards her so that conversation is changing now within the scope of the divorce you know you know why she's really beating that drum about domestic violence is the Code says it's unconscious whether it's unconscionable at the time of the divorce and yeah. I, i'm not aware of any appellate court decision um that described what that is but maybe that's the angle she's trying to take uh interesting very interesting john what do you think about this embezzlement angle i mean like do you think it's something that was actually malicious and she tried to secretly withhold funds or is it one of these situations where we just see people using business bank accounts, corporate accounts as their own personal accounts, not really intending on violating the law, but just not being very scrupulous about the way that they're keeping those assets separate. Good question. You know, obviously none of us really know. We haven't read the divorce pleadings. My yeah. initial feeling is, is that when you've got a billionaire, I mean, with a B, you know, a billionaire there, and somebody's taking $400,000 out of a business account, That's a good point. you know, it's probably not, it's, you know, it's nothing to the guy. It's peanuts, you know, it's, pennies out of his jar. But <laughs> it seems to me that what's going on is, is uh, it's just hardcore litigation. Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Stephanie? 
I think it's more, I would argue it's an advancement of attorney's fees. And I mean, down the line, you're gonna just credit that half from the community, whatever. So it'll it'll work out in the end. I don't think it's worth pursuing. Think she's going to jail? I don't think she should go to jail. I don't think so. Yeah. That intent element is really though. difficult to prove. Um, you know, you have to show that there is actually in that intent to kind of permanently withdraw or withhold that fund, those funds. So um, I think that's that's something that is going to be a high burden. Yeah, good point. Brooke, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah. Well, importantly, um, we didn't mention this time, we did last time, she's an attorney. So I think, you know, a judge may look at her more harshly than your yeah. average litigant. Um, so that, you know, isn't obviously in her favor. Okay, okay cool. So, uh, Stephanie, you were uh, studying some other cases that you thought would be worthy of our audience. Uh, besides, uh, you said Phil Collins was one of them. You know, yeah. when, I, when I jokingly said that he, you know, he plays music, he played that one song about that everybody knows that heavy drum beat song about, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, in the I, air tonight. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think he did that in, during one of his divorces. So, um, what, <laughs> what do you have to say about a guy that writes good music during the divorce? Should, should everybody be encouraged to maybe go through this process to get their creative juices flowing? <laughs> yeah, I think he should remarry the same person three times for the <laughs> hit song. <laughs> um so phil collins he first met his wife she was a translator when he was in uh, switzerland i believe on some tour uh it was a long-term marriage about 20 years and uh they had two kids but they finalized their divorce in 2008 she started dating someone else so that finalization of divorce resulted in a settlement of about 50 million dollars yeah um so they separated and then she remarried she separated from him and then he reconciled phil collins and his former wife sevy so the issue now is that she basically forced her way into his mansion i believe in miami she like barricaded herself and she wouldn't let him in so he's trying to get the house back and she's saying that he needs to pay her certain dollars i got a question for you Barricaded herself in a mansion in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> mansion, man. I mean, I could get in that thing. Just give me a, a you know, a nice little step ladder. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's she's in there with some new man. So <laughs> oh, okay. he's probably barricaded the mansion, not her. So okay, cool. Yeah, Brooke, Brooke, what do you have to say? You get you got a case on, on point, don't you? Yes, I have a case. I have an interesting case in that there's no divorce announcement. Um, actually, quite to the contrary. And there are three different celebrities involved. Um, so the main players are Lily James, who you would have seen in Mamma Mia 3. Dominic West, who's going to be playing uh, Prince Charles in the upcoming seasons of The Crown. And then Dominic West's wife, uh, Catherine Fitzgerald, who I believe is an artist. Um, I should have looked up her work as well, but she is also somewhat well-known. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Lily James and Dominic West were seen in Rome canoodling um, while Dominic, pardon me? Heard of that before. pardon me? What does canoodling mean? I, I've never heard of that before. That, that's a it's, it's, a, it's a tabloid term. It basically just means like, like on a date, but in celebrity context. Yeah. It's, that's one of my favorite tabloid uh, <laughs> yeah. words to use because no one uses it in real life. 
Um, so they were seen, they're in a movie together right now. Um, they went on a little jaunt, another good tabloid word, uh, to Rome. Um, he is still married while this is going on. Um, they're seen multiple times acting as a couple. A few days later, Dominic gets back to his house in England, and he and his wife come out of the home. It's swarmed with paparazzi. They do a somewhat of a photo shoot kissing each other and they leave a note, a handwritten note that says, um, our marriage is strong and we are very much still together. Thank you. And no announcements have been made since both uh, Dominic West and Lily James pulled out of uh, promotional stuff they have been doing. Um, we don't know a ton about this case. It's also in the UK, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about in terms of California law. Um, so I wanted to use it as a jumping off point to talk about data separation, um, because I don't think that's something the lay person knows um, is a legal term. You know, sometimes I think people think once you file for divorce, that's your date of separation. Not true. The date of separation is also very important in terms of uh, splitting up property, debts and assets, things like that. Um, so it is a, it's a big thing to think about. It's not always an issue, but when it is an issue, it can be very hard because there's a lot that the court needs to consider and it's very fact determinate. Um, the law comes from Family Code Section 70A and it says that the date of separation means the date that a complete and final break in the marital relationship has occurred as evidenced by, two by the two following facts. The, the spouse has expressed his or her intent to end the marriage to the other spouse and two, the conduct of the spouse is consistent with his or her intent to end the marriage. So I think the Dominic and Lily case is interesting because on the one hand, it sort of seems like he, by, you know, going on a very public date with a different woman is showing, you know, is conducting himself consistent with the intent to end the marriage. And then just a couple of days later, he comes out with a sign saying, you know, our marriage is strong and we're very much still together. It's just very interesting. And I think it would be interesting if I were Catherine Fitzgerald and I was living in the uh, U.S. and California. I might be talking to my attorney about, you know, how we start going about figuring this out and using a, the data separation that I wanted. I think it could go both ways. Very interesting. Okay. Do any of you remember back in back in the days when uh, data separation actually required that you move out of the family home? Right. And we thought it was really strange when people would stay together in the house while doing their divorce once they changed the law, but now because it's so hard to find a place, almost half of the people that we're doing divorces for are still living with each other yeah. and seeing each other on a daily basis, which is, I had imagined, have to be pretty a little bit, pretty awkward, right? Yeah. We, we, Don and I just had a case where we, you know, we went into court and our client had to go home to his wife or his ex-wife every night. And it was, uh, you know, a yeah. little contentious. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been uh, fun again. I think that uh, what we should do is go around the horn one more time and I'll pose the question. What have you learned from this informative session? Starting with Stephanie, tell us, tell us the lessons you learned today. Just don't do it. <laughs> if it didn't work the first time, it won't work the second time or the third time. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> What's your lesson of the day that you learned? I have to go with Stephanie. It was very interesting to see how many couples were getting back together and then breaking up again. It just seems like it, maybe they had the most amicable divorces the first time, so you could get over that. But I just don't imagine, you know, the fighting that often occurs when you're going through a divorce 
even a, you know, years later, kind of being able to get over that and trust the person. I'm not sure. I, it's very, very interesting to me. And Anthony. Um, follow your heart, but don't forget to leave your, uh, you know, also keep your brain in mind too, because if it didn't work out the first time, that's a pretty good indicator. It might not work out for the second or third time either. Cool. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us again today at our roundtable discussion. It was very lively. Uh, we'll do this again. See you next time.